And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Diesel from CBC Sports, joined, as always, by the co-hosts Jesse Granger in Vegas and Mike Russo in Minnesota. How are we, boys? Doing well. Great. 17 days. 17 more days of who's going to go where. Uh, so it's <laughs> always a perfect time to talk to a GM. Uh, Jim Nell, General Manager of the Dallas Stars, the Western Conference-leading Dallas Stars, uh, will be joining us in the second half of the show. I don't know how much he's going to tell us, guys, but the one thing I'm always fascinated with and I want to ask Jim about is how much the trade deadline has kind of changed. It used to be, you know, 2.45 Eastern time on whatever the deadline is. Trades were just swarming in, but it's a little different for for guys like us now. I mean, we're more than two weeks out and things are really, really heating up. And and really, when did this start? Five Five years ago, a little bit more. Russo, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, th- I agree with you. And um, it, it, f- it felt like years ago, guys like Jim Rutherford, Don Waddell, they they all of a sudden tried to get a head start on a lot of other GMs at the deadline. And then all of a sudden, people started to realize, you know what, let's give them a head start. The other thing, too, is I, th- I do think some GMs are a little weary of how short... 
the trade deadline is to the end of the season. And you hear about um, chemistry issues and things like that when suddenly you have to take new players in, take new players out um, or old players out. And I think they want to give them almost a little more runway to try to get their footing. So then by the time the, the really the, the stretch run of the season comes in the playoffs, that they uh, that they go on a, on a little bit of a tear here and feel comfortable in their new surroundings or whatever additions they bring in. The other thing I want to ask Jim Nill about is, you know, he always has this um, um, ability and desire and, um, you know, to, to make bold moves. And Dallas is a team that you, you see him in the, you know, Patrick Kane rumors and, and things like that. So you, and you just know that he's going to want to add scoring. Yet you look at their cap situation, they really don't have that ability right now. So how do you maybe use a third party as a broker and things like that? I'd love to get his thought process on, on how to do that. Right. And you mentioned the salary cap. And I think that's part of the reason it's such a long runway too now is you can't wait until the last minute because there are yeah. so many math equations that have to be done. Yep. I mean, the salary cap obviously has been in effect for a while, but this recently, without it going up and, and contracts continuing to go up, it seems like like if you go on cap friendly, pretty much every team in the league is in cap trouble. Like we're talking two thirds of the, every competitive team in the entire league is pressed against the cap. So this isn't it's not as simple as just finding a partner. Oh, you have a player we like, we have prospects you like, boom, it's done. No, it's we have to do a algebra to figure out if this player fits on our team and we'll bring in other teams and third teams. I think I think that's a big reason why the 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 lead up, the the runway to the tr- trade deadline has gotten so long because it's complicated to make a trade now. Yeah, I, I mean, back in the old days, it was teams like the Rangers, the Red Wings. They would just add and add and add and add and add, right. and they didn't care about their 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 salary cap situation. I remember, I remember one year, one of Jim Nill's old teams, the Detroit Red Wings. You know, they had a fourth line that was like making like thirty million dollars. It was like Shanahan, Hull, and Robitaille, right? I mean, it was like you know, it's just a different world now. Where it, and especially you know, since the pandemic, where the cap just stopped growing, um, it, it really puts a lot of these teams in situations. And that's why I think those teams right now that have left themselves cap space have a lot of weapons. I mean, they could really shop that cap space around and uh, become third party brokers, take on bad contracts, and and really use that to their advantage i think it's a combination of both too but also how many times have we heard over the last five to ten years a trade proposal that kind of gets leaked to the media or wherever we find out about it somehow and then come trade deadline day that players move for much less it used to be no i'll wait till the last minute because teams will get desperate and they'll keep throwing maybe a second another second round pick in there or something now it's the other way around. It's it's a fear of, oh, we had a better deal on the table. We thought we'd wait for more, and now we have to settle for this. I find it's completely flip-flopped. Yeah, well, that happened with the Kevin Fiala trade. Uh, you know, that was a summer trade. But that's what happened there is that there came a point where Bill Guerin, everybody in the league knew that they had to move Kevin Fiala. And so Bill Guerin did not want to wait three or four days Go, before, for, before you know, his hands were tied essentially before the draft to move, or excuse me, it was I can't remember it was free agency or the draft to to move him for the first time. So you know, he got offered a first and and favor, and he made that move. And right now, obviously, Fialik is ascended to such degrees in L.A. But the Wild are hoping that Brock Favor and their first round pick Liam Ogren now turn into something special. But that's what happened is that you know it used to be all right. I'm going to leverage all these different teams, and then it became holy moly. I better get this done here. 
um, or the price could really actually drop down. And I, I think that's the one thing that the GMs that are holding the big chips have to be weary of this year is that there's not a lot of team. There's a lot of te- great, great players out there. It's not like a trade deadline where we overhype a lot of players. There are good wingers out there right now. There are good centers. There are good defensemen. And when you have all those players out there and only a few teams that could even afford them, you almost have to make the move early because I think that the teams that this time are going to wait for those prices to drop are actually going to see those prices drop. And now if you trade a Patrick Kane for 40 cents on the dollar when Tarasenko just went for this, now as a GM, you look like you dropped the ball. For sure. And it's like you said, there are only a certain number of teams that can even afford these players. So your your options are limited. And as that deadline ticks down, it's like all these players are pending UFA. So if you don't move this guy in the next hour, once you get to that day, like you're getting absolutely nothing for him and these teams aren't competing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're, well, we'll just keep him for the run. Like your, your team's not going on a run. Um, you lose him for absolutely nothing. So then you have to, like you said, sell for, for pennies on the dollar. Let's talk about some of the players. I, I was looking at the athletics trade board as I do all the time. And of course now number one on the list is, is Timo Meyer out of San Jose. But uh, this guy, Jacob, Chikrin. Has he been on there for a while, guys? I don't know if he's been uh, talked about. <laughs> Has there been a guy involved in trade talks longer in NHL history than Jacob Chikrin? Uh, no. Um, and it's been obviously, over a year you know, now. like, come on. Yeah. And, and frankly, if he's not traded, it's going to continue because he has two years left on his deal. And we know that Arizona eventually wants to move him. So then it's going to be the draft and this and that. Yeah. But I think it's obvious that he's moving. I mean, we had Jeff Chikrin on his dad last week, and he basically alluded to a, quote, looming trade. Um, but right now, that looming trade is not coming to fruition. When they pulled him out of the lineup against St. Louis the other day, I think we all thought that it was imminent and that it was going to the L.A. Kings and they just weren't doing it because then Dustin Brown night and then the Super Bowl. And they're going to wait till Monday and all that stuff. And obviously, that's come and gone. Then he's pulled out of the Nashville game. I texted Jeff Chikrin. Chikrin actually flew to Nashville to hang out with his son. Um, I joked with him that they were going to be watching that Predators uh, 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 Coyotes game from Tootsie's. Um, and but like, look, I mean, this is the situation they're in. And I think what happened here is that now I think because all these other teams that have suddenly int- or have had long interest in Jacob Chikrin sees him out of the lineup and got concerned that that LA was the team that was going to pounce. Now I bet you there's other teams that have come back into the fray here. So I think that this has become the, almost a new thing from an asset management standpoint, at, you know, to make sure that you don't get guys hurt is to actually, you know, before it was like you pull them from the lineup because there was that pending trade. It was about to happen. Now I think pl- uh, teams are getting weary, especially after what happened with Tarasenko and O'Reilly getting hurt is pull them now, try to now, create that frenzy again and hopefully you can move them and it's going to be really interesting now i bet you arizona went from having one or two teams talking to on a daily basis to now those four or five or six teams have legitimate interest in jacob chicken coming back into the uh conversation i think you'd hit it right on the head russo it's a ploy to 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 you know, it's like that when you're you're buying a car and they say, well, I've got someone else who's interested. They're coming in. You know what I mean? And and we, we're seeing new hockey terms like uh, scratch for trade related reasons. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, like, I don't ever remember hearing trade related reasons. They are putting it out there in bold lights. Guys, this could happen. So if you were one of the guys <laughs> who are playing hardball, give us a call. Um, it's like the first time I ever heard lower upper body injury. I was kind of like, where did this come from? But yeah, we're, we're actually inventing ways. It used to just happen. And like Russo said, it would happen. And hours later, there'd be a press release that so-and-so was traded. This Chikrin thing got a little nuts because now they basically said, 
he ain't putting on skates until it's with another team. And whether it was to, to stoke the fire, whether it's because they don't want him to get hurt, whether it's a combination of both, it's made this this a little more interesting. Um, anyone else on this list that you're really kind of you've got circled? Like, where is this guy going? Because for me, obviously, Patrick Kane's a big name on the list. And, and ever since the Tarasenko trade, which he actively came out and said, quote, it's not the happiest I've been to hear about a trade because he wanted to go to the Rangers and that pretty much axed it. Uh, yeah. Anybody on this list that really is a flashing light for you? Hey, I, I can't wait to see where this guy goes. Jesse. Yeah, I mean, Timo Meyer, just because um, I think a lot of these guys are, are obviously aging like on the downswing of their career and like they still have enough to add to a team for whether it's a rental or just if they're going to sign them long term. I think they have time. They, they can add to a contender right now. But I think Timo Meyer is a piece that you can build around going forward. Um, similar to Chikrin. And I also think that Bertuzzi is an underrated Got like I think he's he's still young enough to 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 be a guy to kind of build around. I've mentioned him quite a bit. Um, I think Vegas should be interested. I don't know if they are, but I I, I think Bertuzzi, Meyer, and and Chikrin are the players that I'm most fascinated with. Just because I don't think they're a one year. Let's see if this guy can help us on a run right here. I think they're going to be wherever they go. They're going to be a big part of that team moving forward over the next few years. In, yeah, I'll interesting. Take, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! Well, I'll take uh, to to answer your question, uh, Rob. I, I, you know the, what I'll do is actually I, I'm I'll take the team perspective. I'm mostly interested to see what teams like the Devils and the Dallas Stars and the Carolina Hurricanes do because this is a year where I do think the cup is wide open, and I think the same number of teams are looking for the same players. So I think Meyer is going to be somebody that Carolina and New Jersey are both looking at, and then we'll see the trickle down effect from there. Um, but you know, Kane is just another one. Like Kane controls um, everything here, but I think that he realized right away, I better make a decision because he w did want to go to the Rangers. We've all known that. And, you know, because he didn't make that decision yet, the Rangers said, you know what? We, we can't wait any longer. Yeah. And I think that is now, now it takes, you know, this is a guy that's lived in, in, you know, in Chicago. He made his NHL debut in 2007, if I remember correctly. He's been there now for 16 years, which is shocking, scary to think about. He's not just going to go anywhere to any playoff contender. It's going to have to be a place where he really is going to feel comfortable and that he feels like he can win a cup and, and all of that stuff to make this move for basically two months. Or he'll just go sign wherever in a free agent and stay in his incredible apartment at, uh, you know, a Trump Tower there. So I, I think that it, that's the thing right now is I want to see who could have, who could, there's a lot of teams that want Kane. There's not a lot of teams that could afford him, even with salary retention. So do they get other uh, third parties involved? It's, just going to be fascinating to see what happens with him. It's interesting because, you know, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the Horvat deal about whether or not – usually when you trade for a quote-unquote rental player with the plans of trying to re-sign him, you kind of use these two months to say, hey, check it out. This is a great place to play. We're a contending team. Whereas we're seeing that re-signing period happen a lot sooner. And I think that's the case with Meyer because according to a lot of reports – Teams have not been given permission to talk to Claude Lemieux, his agent. Now, whether or not that's going to come into play, some teams don't want to sign a player with the risk of losing a couple months later in free agency. They want to be able to say, hey, we're going to trade for you, sign this extension, or whether teams just don't care. They just need him for that stretch run. Timo Meyer, like Jesse said, is not your prototypical rental player. He's the guy who you want as a part of your, your cornerstone for years, and I'm wondering how much that comes into play where, you know what, we we can't be assured that he's going to at least 
consider re-signing, well, then we can't give up assets for him. Yeah, especially with a $10 million qualifying offer. Yeah. You know, he's RFA, not UFA. So if you're trading for him and you want him to be part of your future, you need to have those conversations now to be like, all right, remember, we're not, we're not giving you that $10 million qualifying offer. We're going to try to work out a long-term deal now, um, you know, to, to extend you at a much lower AAV. And so it really determines your asset price. Is he a rental or is he not a rental? Is he, and, and that is why I think at some point, um, I think my career is going to have to give permission for teams to talk to Clolemu. I would bet that if Myers traded before the deadline, um, if if you were to bet one way or the other, I would bet he signs an extension with whatever team trades for him before he touches the ice. Um, similar to to Horvat. Um, I mean, the Golden Knights have done it here in Vegas. The t- two of their biggest trades. Um, Eichel obviously had term left, but the other two big ones were Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, and they were both pending free agents, and that was a big reason why they were moved to Vegas, and neither of them touched the ice for the Golden Knights before signing long extensions. Pacioretty's was four, Stone's was the max, um, and he, he, he was traded to Vegas and signed the max deal right away, and that was negotiated before the trade. I think that's just kind of how things are now. Um, you There isn't the like you said, the the swooning period. Let's try to convince this guy he wants to come. It's like, no, 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 no. We're not giving up all these assets for a guy just to hope we can convince him to sign here. Like we need deals worked out before we we pay this price for this player. But that's what I mean. They're standing in the way of that if you're not able to talk to his agent. Yeah, it seems, you know it seems <laughs> you ridiculous. Got, you got to be able to talk to his agent. What that tells me is San Jose doesn't want to trade him. They, I think San Jose still wants to re-sign him. I think they're hoping Meyer, like they're st- they're hoping this deadline. I, I'm not convinced he's going to get traded. I think that they are hoping he will eventually sign a deal that they're trying to work out with him. Because if you really wanted to move him, if you were dead set on okay, we we can't come to an agreement with this player. Let's just trade him. Wouldn't you want his? agent to be talking to the sure. teams because that's going to bring more sure. teams into the market. It's going to get you better offers. You would think, I mean, to me, when I hear they're not letting teams talk to his agent, that tells me the sharks still don't want to trade him. Yeah. I do think that there's some strategy though, too, is that the longer you wait, you know, if all of a sudden you let him talk to six teams and he makes a deal with that team and that team's not offering nearly as good a package as that yeah. other team. Now it puts you in a position. I remember America's Zlicky had a no trade clause and he basically said, I'm only going in one team. And the Wild got a bunch of crap for him, essentially, so, with all due respect to some of the people that were in that trade that I might have had, in, that I might have had on podcast before. Um, but anyway, uh, but they you didn't know what I mean. Get like, fair like, market value. That's how you're exactly. supposed to say it on a podcast. Yeah. Jeff, Dom- Jeff Domet, you take the word crap right out of there. So. <laughs> yeah, so Jeff's got some work to do uh, when we're done. Real quick, before we get off trade talk, I just, 10 second answer. Is Eric Carlson going to be in Edmonton Oiler by the time March 3rd rolls around? Russo, you're smiling. <sighs> I think Your 10 seconds are almost up. Let's go. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think he will be. I think the only way is like Edmonton wants him, but Edmonton's going to have to figure out a way to really massage the cap. And uh, and the way to do that is to find a third party that's going to help. The problem is, it's, you know, you got to give up a lot of assets for that. So I don't know. Uh, I think he's going to still be there. My answer is no, he will not be an Edmonton Oiler. But man, do I hope I'm wrong. Um, the the first player in a million years to score 150 points and the first defenseman in a million years to score 100 points on the same team. Sign me up. I don't think it's possible, but man, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, can I ask you guys both a, a Norris question? Yeah. What's your philosophy on Eric Carlson 
being a Norris, like we, we know how great season he's, he's having, but San Jose is not making the playoffs or floundered to the bottom. Where's your, it's the old age old, McD- you know, question is, can you win the heart if you don't make the playoffs? Can you win the Norris w- when you're on a team this bad, when you have Rasmus Dahlin that is maybe going to get Buffalo into the playoffs? You have Josh Morrissey, who I watched last night, that is freaking unbelievable. I watched Heiskanen last night. Unbelievable. Like, where's your philosophy on this? I don't care. I do not care if his team's any good. He's the best defenseman in the league right now. 109 points. I, I think he's I, I'm, I'm with Jesse. I'm with Jesse on this. And the reason is it's not – I don't think you could ever give the Hart Trophy – to someone who doesn't make the playoffs because it is the most valuable to his team. If it was just a flat out best player in hockey, yes, you can. But the, the question is the Norris trophy is who is the best defenseman? Mm-hmm. Tell me a team that wouldn't take Eric Carlson's year and, and put them on their roster at any point this year. Uh, and it's not just points. I know people will argue points all the time because it's not the best offensive defenseman. That's not what the, 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 the award is. But you watch him play and he has just found his groove again. Like he is just, he is Eric Carlson of old. And um, like Jesse said, him in an Oilers jersey. Um, and and I think it financially, it's going to be really, really tough for them to do it. But I think Ken Holland's going to do everything in his power because you can't tell me that the clock doesn't strike midnight on this Edmonton Oilers team if they, if they don't do something really, really, really significant this year. So this mm-hmm. is it. Like this is this is it for them. Um, couple of quick things before we go to break and get to Jim Nil. Uh, if you remember, guys, on the Tonight Show, Ryan Reynolds said uh, for him to be a part owner of the Ottawa Senators, he would need to find a quote sugar daddy. Uh, looks like he might have found <laughs> his sugar daddy. You like how I changed my voice there when I said it too. Uh, according to reports, he's teamed up with a uh, group out of Vaughan, Ontario. That's a real estate developer, the Remington Group. They're putting together a bid to buy the Senators and build a new downtown arena. Um, we've heard from Gary Batman many times. They said, whoever buys this thing, you ain't moving. You're in Ottawa. You're staying in Ottawa. And I just want to bring this up again. Remember that report that came out from Sportico, $655 billion. That's what they valued the Ottawa Senators at. Um, I can't wait for Ryan Reynolds to be an owner in this league. I think it's going to happen. Your thoughts on this, Jesse? Yeah, my initial thought was I was – not super pumped that he had teamed up with a with a group because we've I mean we just heard from Gary Bettman uh, Mike and I were in Florida and he said there's 15 groups trying to buy this team I was hoping Reynolds would just stay out of it and then whatever of the groups won the bid he would then jump on yeah. right like like wait until you see who wins and then jump on because now say he's with this team say another group wins we don't get Ryan Reynolds as the owner so like that was my initial reaction was I would have rather him just waited on the sideline until the team had gotten the bid but having said that this bid sounds awesome I mean the the biggest problem with the senators right now is the location of the arena you get that downtown you get Ryan Reynolds we all win um, it sounds like a great plan I hope it goes through yeah, and my initial thought was that Remington Group must be what's going to be the winner. Right. <laughs> you know, I think this league and the centers are going to want Ryan Reynolds part of this group. And my gut says that there's some sort of knowledge here that this is the group that's going to be. Um, it's very clear when we had Bill Daly on our podcast a month or two ago, and he had, he had you know, basically confirmed for the first time that the league had actually met with Ryan Reynolds. Um, that, uh, you know, just the way that he talked about him, I just think that Ryan Reynolds is somebody that this league wants to make sure is a face of this league. I mean, it's, I mean, to have a, a celebrity like him 
be entrenched in the ownership of of an organization that has been you know really um, maligned for years and years and years, but could be such an important organization to the thirty two in this league. Um, I just think that it, that it's it seems to be tailor made. Um, so I think it's awesome. Other than the absolute nauseous feeling I got when Rob Pizzo said "sugar daddy" six times. Sugar daddy. Um, oh, yeah, and and not and not just, but not just a celebrity too, guys. Let's not forget a very active celebrity, someone who's active, you know, on social media, active just you know at being a celebrity. Like he is a professional. He's not someone who just makes movies and then hides. Uh, I think he would be just so so good for this league. Um, one more thing before we go to break, uh, as I'm sure hockey fans know, Alexander Ovechkin has been uh, away from the Washington Capitals for. Uh, what the team was calling personal reasons. Um, they did announce this morning the the, the family that his father, Mikhail, uh, has passed away. So before we go to break, we just want to say on behalf of us here at the Athletic Hockey Show, uh, our condolences to the Ovechkin family. Hope to see you back soon. After the break, the general manager of the Dallas Stars, Jim Mill. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, guys, 17 days away from the NHL trade deadline. And you'll take a look at the standings right now. The Dallas Stars alone atop the Western Conference. So you've got a lot of fans wondering just how much tweaking they're going to do before March 3rd. One guy knows. I don't know how much he's going to tell us, but we're going to ask him. Jim Neal, the general manager of the (laughs) Dallas Stars, joining us on the show. How are you, Jim? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'm great, guys. And it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. Before we get asking you questions that you may or may not answer, I, I got to ask you about just the trade deadline, how it's kind of changed over the years. I mean, if we were doing this show five, 10 years ago, I don't know if we're talking to you about this 17 days before. It seemed like GMs always wanted to wait until the very last minute. Trade deadline day was just madness. But that really has changed. We see blockbuster deals a couple weeks out. How much busier are you two weeks out from this deadline than, say, five or 10 years ago? Yeah, it's, you know, that, that that's, it's, it's a great question because, you know, why is that? I guess, you know, what's, you know, it's a question. What's the answer for it? And I think it's a lot of it. You know, we talk about the flat cap. That's always an issue with people always talk about that. But I think what it is, it's, it's the parity and it's the, you know, who's in it, who's out of it. It shifts week by week. I think if two weeks ago, if you would have talked to me, you would have, I would have given you a different list of names that are going to be sellers and, and are going to be buyers and now it's vice versa and it's uh you know the parody in our league and i know people like we all talk about parody but it's there you know i was talking to our coaches last night after the game and was, we're watching other games after our game and every game is two two three two uh four three like 
we are we are in the we're in the playoff mode now everybody is you know you've got a you got four or five teams in each conference that are in a battle trying to get into the playoffs uh you got ourselves we're you know you, you mentioned earlier that we're comfortably in first place i don't know how to take away the comfort comfort uh, part of the word of the sentence i guess because uh, you know we're only two points up and we're yet you know five or six teams that are uh six to eight teams behind us but with two games at hand so it's tight everywhere and uh so that's where there's a different dynamics to the trade. You, you know, you think some teams are going to be in it right away and all of a sudden they, they got out of it, but now they're back in it. And uh, so just a different dynamics to the uh, trade deadline field, I guess, out there. Jim, uh, you know, you've uh, I mean, it's been an unbelievable year. I, I just uh, every time the wild play uh, Dallas, it's uh, it's usually one sided on on your end. Um, so I haven't seen too many weaknesses with your team. When you have a guy like Jamie Ben playing, you know, with with a young kid like Wyatt Johnston on the third line, you pretty much know how deep you are. Um, last night I'm watching Heitzkin, and you obviously have the goalie and Ottinger. Um, where do you look right now and identify your needs? And and you mentioned the cap. I mean, you're one team that's you know pretty close to to the cap. So how do you maneuver if you have to go address those needs? Yeah. You know, I, I think if you you talk to most people, everyone wants to add scoring. You know, would you like to add another score? Yes, we all would. You know, these I talked about how tight the games are. You know, everybody'd like to add some more scoring, but that's easier said than done. Um, I get my biggest, I guess, need, and and it, and it's something that I hope doesn't happen. Is you just want to make sure you've got enough uh, players available. We know what the grind of the NHL playoffs is. You know, it's a two month grind of playing every second night and, uh, you know, blocking shots, and everything else. The biggest worry, I guess, for me is, is injuries. You know, uh, I, I like our team. Yes. Would you like to get better? Yes. You'd like to add another scoring forward, maybe another depth defenseman here or there. I think every team would like to do that. You know. But the one thing that changes and that gets back maybe a little bit, the prior question is, you know, when do you make these trades? You know, I can go make a trade today, uh, you know, today or, or tomorrow, and all of a sudden, we're you know we're 17 days out, and with three games to before the deadline, three days before the deadline, I get two or three injuries. I've already used my assets up and my money, my cap room, to address something that I need a different need now. So that's the balancing act. Uh, you know, we're always trying to get better. You guys all know it's a competitive league. We're all trying to get better, trying to keep up to the opposition. So would I like to add? Yes, but I also want to be considerate uh what's the cost what's the assets um you know job as a general manager to be story about today tomorrow and then the future so i really got to balance that and be careful and uh but what, what excites me about our team and a kind of organization right now we're in a pretty good spot we, we've we've got a real good team down the minors i got good depth down there so i think i got enough depth uh if i do get a couple of injuries um so just try to balance all those things together uh, with the unknown of still 17 days out. Jim, Michael, you mentioned Jamie Benn and kind of what his role has been. Um, how impressed are you with how he's been able to kind of reinvent his game? I mean, he's gone from being one of the best scorers in the NHL to uh, almost a defensive guy over a, a little stretch of time, and now he's he's taking a, a young player under his wing. And it just it feels like even though he may not be the, the star on this team or, or the, 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 the highest scorer, he's such an important part of this team. How impressed with how are with you are yeah, sorry. How impressed are you with how he's reinvented himself? 
Well, I'm 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 very very happy for Jeannie. He's 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 a consummate pro. Uh, he's our leader. He's our captain. Uh, he's a little bit of a unicorn in the league. There's not a lot of guys left like him. Uh, you know, when you talk the ultimate power forward, and when you talk power forward, it's somebody that can play any type of game physically, any type of physical type of game. Plus, they have to be able to chip in and score a little bit, and and he is that guy. Yeah, and. Yes, you know, for two or three years, you know, he kind of got off of that a little bit. Now, a lot of injuries, the way he plays, there's going to be a lot of injuries, things happen. But uh, that's where I give him a lot of credit. He he changed his training this summer. Uh, and he's come into camp. You know, he's still the consummate pro he is. But between changing his training and I think a little resurgence of who he's playing with, you know, we we matched him up with Wyatt Johnson and Ty Delandria. I think that kind of rejuvenated him a little bit. He's kind of their big brother. He enjoys that role, and uh, you know he, he's got some some other good players around him. I think it's just all come together for him. Uh, but it, it's a compliment to him. He he adjusted his game, uh, changed his training, got a little bit quicker, got a little bit lighter, and and it's paid off for him. Jim, three words we hear a lot over the next couple of weeks: no movement clause. Um, being a GM, as you can attest to, is difficult enough. Uh, and Patrick Kane, I'm looking in your direction. Uh, you know, we, we hear it all the time where it's up to the player. And yes, they have earned it. But how difficult is that as a general manager when you're trying to make a deal, you're trying to improve your team, you come up with a deal, you've got something with another GM, and it's all up to does player X want to come to your team? I mean, that's just got to handcuff you at so many times. It does handcuff you, but kind of, I'm going to kind of repeat what you said that they have earned that right too. You know, we negotiate those contracts; they earn those rights. Uh, that comes into play a lot of times when negotiating the value of the of the contract. So it it's part of the business. We deal with it. Um, I think a lot of times, though, uh, when you really do sit down with a player and his representatives, and if there's a deal there, I would say 90 percent of the time the players are going to want to end up going. You know, they know if it's time. There's a reason they're probably on the market. And they're probably going to a better situation. You know, they're on a team that, you know, is, you know, rebuilding whatever's going on. Uh, or they're not playing much, whatever the circumstances are. So usually they know it's probably kind of time to leave. And so in the end, if you're the right situation for them, I think they're going to look at coming to your team. Yeah, I don't think anybody is going to need to have their arms twisted to come to Dallas this year. Uh, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, Jim, let me ask you on, on another facet of, you know, things that we really didn't hear about 10 years ago, even ago when the cap came in, was was using third parties as a banker, finding landing spots for bad contracts. How much of that brokering now happens? As a general manager that has limited cap space that might make, want to make moves, do you already know who the bankers are right now? And I mean, is is it like that where you're now shopping to find the best prices, the best loan prices, the best interest rates, all that type of stuff? And and where did that evolution begin? And how tough is it to sometimes as a GM wrap your head around all that? Yeah, you know, a lot of this is is really it's been compounded because of our flat cap. You know, and we we it's it's a good thing we we kind of forget three years ago where we we're at with the whole world, you know, with COVID yeah. and everything else. And to see where we've come out of it, it's been actually it's. We're probably ahead of where I thought we'd all be. And I'm not just talking hockey, I think the whole world, you know, to think we were at two years ago and trying to figure things out. And this is really, uh, this is just part of the process that we've been a flat cap. Uh, you know, we all make decisions signing players. Um, part of that now is if we want to make 
trades. Uh, there is limited uh, resources cap-wise financially, so you do have to get other parties involved. And, uh, you know, we've sat down in our meetings. We've gone through all different scenarios. If we want X player uh, with our cap situation as it stands today, how are we going to fit that in? Do we have a rough idea who the teams are? Yes. You know, through my conversations with teams, teams will bring up whether that, hey, we're in a situation that uh, if you, you need something, uh, you need to move some money, some cap room, uh, you know, we're, we're open to business. Now, there is a cost to doing that also, uh, which comes into play. And and I think one thing people need to realize, too, it's okay to do it on a when you have a contract. It's, it's the it's the last year of a contract. It's a lot easier to do it. You know, there's there's going to be two months left in the season. Uh, you know, so you're down to, you know, really, really 50 to 60 games of payroll left. So it, that brings the number down. Much harder to do if you start talking two, three, four, five, six years on a contract. That's a different story. Uh, you, you start having to carry uh, $2 million cap hit on a retention for the next two, three, four years. That's a whole different ball game. And that's hard to do. Jim, you mentioned the the strain that the flat cap has put on teams. Um, we've heard some other GMs say that they they not that they necessarily like it, but that they kind of enjoy the fact that it magnifies the importance of how and 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 of your job, and and the better general managers can get around it, um, it kind of magnifies how good you are at the job. Do you like it as a challenge? No, I, I do. I, I, I our job is to manage this. You know, you, you you're presented with you know. Players have to play within certain rules. There's penalties if you don't play a certain way. You can't hook. You know, there's. It's all in life. You know, we got a foundation. We got to work around, and it's no different for us. We have a flat cap. We know what it is, and we have to deal with it. And I think that's the fascinating part of the challenge. And I think something. You know, I was just talking yesterday to my staff. You know, there's talk about moving forward that the cap is going to go up. You know, it's going to go up five million, six million, whatever, in the next two, three years. And that's okay, but I think we forget sometimes that. When you talk about the high-end players, the star players in the league, they're, you know, everybody's talking about how they're going to jump up in salaries. Well, that that extra five, six million is really just going to go to the star players. So we're still going to have to manage our cap with the rest of our roster. You know, we're a 20-man, 23-man roster, whatever, however you manage it. So when you've got a young player that goes from making a million dollars to making eight or nine, 10 million. You got to find eight million dollars somewhere. You still got to manage that cap, and you still have to find what's unique about our sport. A little bit different than the basketballs and some of these, you know, maybe baseball a little bit. We're a we're a team sport. We're, we're twenty players on the ice, and you got to have depth. You got to play well. You can have two or three star players, but if you got if all your money's gone to them and you haven't managed to put a roster together that can win, that's the toughest part. And so. Yes, it's uh, it's made it challenging the flat cap, but I still think moving forward we're going to be in the same situations. It's just you know player X who's a star player that's been making six million dollars is going to jump to twelve million dollars. There's our jump in our cap. Can it so be how, a, how do we manage the roster? Sorry, Joe. I was just going to say, could it be a little frustrating though? Everything you just said, given the era we're in, where it's so easy for people like us or fans to know exactly the cap situations. I mean, you're a couple keystrokes away from finding out exactly where everybody is against the cap, who's on what kind of contracts. And you're the guy who, who's got to pull off all the moves. It's a little frustrating at times that everyone's got that information. Well, I think, I think it's great. I think it's great that the fans, you know, you guys can know that here's the situations. And 
it helps you understand when we have to make certain moves that here's the hurdles we have to deal with. And it's, it's everybody's chance to put that GM cap on and say, ooh, it, it, it sounds like it's easy, but all of a sudden you say, okay, but we got to do this and this and this. And, uh, you know, it, it opens up the uh, textbook to make everybody realize how, how tough it is. But it, but it's good. Like I said, that's our job. That's what we're here for. We've got other, we got people in our front offices that manage all this. And, uh, that's the unique part of, uh, about our sports and a cap system. And, uh, so, so, you know what? It's, it's worked well. Our, our league's never been more competitive. And, uh, like I said, we've been watching, you know, watching games the last two weeks. Every game is a playoff game every night. Jim, uh, you know, obviously we've seen how good of years guys like Rope Hints and, and Jason Robertson has had, uh, you know, high skin and last night was, I thought, outstanding. Um, I wanted to ask you about one player that has been under the radar this year, and that's Gorianov. You know, obviously kind of a slow start to start the year, hasn't had a lot of production, but lately I watch him every single night, and I, I don't know if I've seen too many players that skate like him. W- what is his future right now? Because, you know, young guy, Last year of a deal that's pretty high cap hit, Arbright's. What do you do with him right now? Well, he's kind of, you know, he's one of the players that we talk about adding scoring. And uh, it, it's been a tough year for him. You know, he's, he's only got two goals. Uh, he had a tough situation. He had to leave the team for a while because of a family situation. So he missed some time there. And uh, so it's just been a tough year for him. You know, he's, he's a goal scorer. And when goal scorers don't score, they get frustrated. And that's what he's been through. But you are right watching our games. The last three or four games, he's been, uh, he looks like himself again. He's, uh, he's exploded out of the shoot. He, his speed is, he's as fast as him in the league. And he's, he's been a little bit snake bitten. He's had a ton of chances. They're just not going in. And, you know, he's, he's one of the, you know, when you look for, uh, solutions he's one of our solutions and so we're just hoping he starts to grab it and uh, if he does i think we're in a real good position and it gives us a lot of different options uh but like i said it's, it's been a tough year for him and players go through this they're human beings too and you just try to push the right buttons you, you work with them and you hope that somewhere down the road uh let's hope in the playoffs uh, that he's the guy that makes a difference for us that, that's what you're that's what you're trying to achieve Jim, I can't let you go without asking about Jake Ottinger. Um, <laughs> so, goal, the, it's, you're it's, all it's so fascinating. Um, because, 16 right, minutes. Yeah. It took you know, 16 know, minutes to ask about Ottinger. The, the, the goalie position, it's obviously so important, but also some are hesitant to use first-round picks on goalies because they're so hard to project. I'd like to ask you, like, what went into deciding to invest a first-round pick in a goalie? And, and obviously, how happy are you now that you've got a 24-year-old, uh, really big, talented goalie that looks like he can be your franchise goalie for a while? Yeah, sorry, Jesse, but my time's <laughs> up, so I, I can't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, we were fortunate as an organization. I was, uh, I saw Jake play a lot under 18 team, under 17 team. Uh, so we saw him lots and, uh, that was a draft. We had three, three pretty high picks. Uh, we moved up that year. Got sometimes you gotta be a little bit lucky. We, we got, uh, we moved up from nine to four uh, or nine to three, sorry, and got Miro Haskin in that year. And, uh, we'd made a trade with Anaheim uh, for Patty Eves and the conditions of that was it was a second round pick that became a first. Um, if they had success in the playoffs and they did. So we had that extra first. And then because the lottery had Jason Robertson sitting there high in the second round. So it was a big draft for us. And, uh, you know, we were sitting there 
we just had to, we'd come through the Kerry Lettinen years and then Ben Bishop, but I knew Ben was, you know, he was starting to age out a little bit. So we, we were looking for a goalie and just, you know, between our scouting staff doing a great job, having a good feel for Jake, uh, we just thought there was something special there. So we, uh, we had that, uh, late first round pick. We actually moved up a couple pick picks in that draft to get them because I was getting a little bit worried that, uh, there were some other teams, I think, thinking the way we were. Uh, so we, we got him and he's been everything more and better than we could ever wish for. He's, uh, you know, not only is a good goalie, great athlete, but, but he's a great person. And I keep telling people, uh, I think the real successful goalies are guys that the team wants to play for. And the team loves to play for Jake Ottinger. They respect him as a person, uh, the way he treats people. He's involved in the community. Um, uh, and then he's a hard worker. He's we've had to actually kind of kick him off the ice at times. He doesn't want to come off the ice. He always wants to, you know, we'll have a back-to-back and he still wants to come to the uh, skate in the morning on a, on a back-to-back when he's playing again. And we got to try to manage his ice time better, but uh, that's a good problem. But easier to take it away than to give it type of thing and push for it. So he's been a great addition for us. And I still think there's still more there. He's still, uh, I think he's got another level to go to and uh, we're just fortunate to have him. Jim, quickly stepping aside from the stars for a second. I got to ask you about this. It's been a topic on our show the entire season. It, it hit the heights a little bit at the All-Star break when Sidney Crosby weighed in on this as well. Playoff format. Uh, the three of us are in favor of one versus eight. I know Sidney Crosby's in favor of one versus eight. The commissioner kind of said it's not as easy as you think. Um, as a general manager, if, if you <laughs> were able to take a choice, would you stick with the divisional playoffs or go to a one versus eight? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not being political here, but the the, uh, the commissioner is correct that there's different issues. I love it if I know that we're playing somebody that's an hour and a half flight away, and then I wouldn't like it. Uh, you know, we. I, I was a long time in Detroit, and we were in the Western Conference many many years, and it's no different than down here in Dallas. And Dallas used to be in the Pacific Division, and. Uh, I don't know how many times in Detroit we would end up playing Vancouver, San Jose, or LA in the first or second round. And you start adding in the time zone change and the travel. It, it's tough. It is hard. And it's, and it's hard on your fans. You start having games at 10 o'clock at night, uh, playoff fans. So there's not only a hockey side, hockey operations side, there's a business side to it too. And, uh, I think divisional rivals are important. Uh, I think it's real important, but I also, to get back to your, why you guys like it. I, I'm one of the reasons I like it is it's nice to get to reward the first and second place teams. They've had a great year. They've played well. What's the advantage to that? Um, and is that playing the seventh or eighth place team? Um, probably is a little bit of advantage, but I, I don't know if there's as much of an advantage as we think there is anymore. You know, it's a little different from 10, 15 years ago when the first place had 30 more points than the eighth place team. Now we're looking at first to eighth place a lot of times is maybe three or four wins. Like it's hard to believe. I, I always tell my team at the start of the year, you know, as we start out, get a good start because in the end, the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs is one win a month. That's all it is. So it's one extra win a month. If you have one extra win a month, that's five or six wins. That's 10 points. And that's the difference between making it or not making it. And might be the difference from being eighth place or first place. That's, that's how fine of a line it is. It is. Um, so. You know, so I, I I like the one one versus eight, but I also have lived the scenario where the, with travel and time change and that it can be a real grind. I know the one year I think Nashville I think Nashville might have won the 
I don't know if they won the conference that year, but they ended up playing Anaheim in the playoffs. They had to play Anaheim, and then the next series had to play San Jose. Well, the, by the time you get to that third round, you're you're done. The travel's caught up to you, and it really can swish this sw- kind of swing series and stuff. So it's yes, I agree with a lot of it, but there is other ramifications that go with it also. Jim, how uh, last I just wanted to ask you, like, how often you mentioned Detroit? I mean. How often do you sit back and and think about what a career you've had in hockey? Uh, you know, and you know, great player. You know, uh, you think about your blueprint on that on those twenty years on the with the Red Wings and the dynasty created, and the insane amount of players found and drafted, and all that. And then ten years now in Dallas, uh, Stanley Cup final three years ago. How often do you do you sit back and think, man, what a career? And and um, you know, what are you most proud of right now in your career? Yeah, you know what? I, I've been very blessed. Uh, I was very fortunate to get to, you know, get to Detroit. Uh, you know, I, I played there and Jimmy Devilano gave me an opportunity to go down actually to get into coaching and uh, got into coaching. And I love coaching, really, really coaching. I think for any hockey person that's been in hockey, coaching other than playing, coaching is the next best thing. Uh, the only thing is it's a tough business too. It's a tough racket. And, you know, I, I was a, fourth line player as a player and moved around a lot and all of a sudden had a young family. And I got to the point where I said, can I, can I keep doing this to my family? Can I keep moving every three, four years? It's, it's not easy on the, the, the kids and the wife and everything else. So I was fortunate. Jimmy D gave me an opportunity, got an opportunity to get in the management side a little bit. And I got to learn from Jimmy DeVolano, Scotty Bowman, and Ken Holland. I was very fortunate. And, and I always tell people, I look back, I had opportunities to go other, other places earlier in my career. And probably somebody was looking out after me because if I would have gone, it would have been a short stay. And, you know, we talk about experience and living through things in life. You can't replace that. And all of a sudden, when you do get in the big chair, if you haven't had that, this game can eat you up pretty, pretty quick. You know, I, I've been fortunate to live through different situations, good and bad, that you have to go through in life. You, you learn from the bad things. It makes you stronger. And And I've been lucky to be with a lot of successful situations. So, so been very fortunate that way. Uh, great people in the end, I always tell people it's all about, it's all about relationships and people. You, uh, the, the thing that I, I, I get more, most proud of and what I want to keep going is when I get phone calls from other teams asking to interview the people that are working for you. I think that that's when you know, you've done the right thing. That's when you know that, you know what, they believe in what we're doing. They believe we got the right people in place. And I know that now I've hired the right people. And that's, that's where, that's the biggest thing as an organization, I think uh, that I, where I want to get to and want to continue to to keep going type of thing. Yeah. Until this past summer, I bet you never had a PR guy become an assistant GM. No, well, you, you guys know Tom Holy yeah. him and his staff here. They've been, they've been one of the best and uh, got the call from Mike Greer um, that he wanted to, Talked to Tom and uh, great move by Mike Greer. Tom Holy's a great man and he's going through what I went through. He got an opportunity to get into management. Now he's going to, here he is. He's sowing his oats and, and away he goes. And uh, it, it's, there's some great stories out there, you know, about people that have worked their way up. I've, I've got one in, you know, I had uh, Ryan Martin in, in Detroit was a great example. You know, we came into the uh, salary cap world. We've been out scouting, Kenny and I, and we met this young man named Ryan Martin. He's working for an agent, doing things. And uh, all of a sudden, the salary cap world came in, and we need a capologist. We remembered this young kid we met that was getting his lawyer and accounting degree, and bing, bang, boom, we hire him. Now he's assistant GM in uh, 
in uh, with New York Rangers. Tom Holy, another great example. I've got Mark Jenko here, who's done every, yeah. wore every hat in the organization. <laughs> I came in, never knew who Mark Jenko was. And my first implication was I'm going to have to clean house here in Dallas. But I said, you know what, let's give people a chance. I sat down and watched and Mark Jenko now is my assistant GM and Scott White's my assistant GM. So uh, there's great examples for young yeah. people. That, you know what, it, it, you don't have to take the traditional route. Just get in there, start paying your dues and have an open mind to different opportunities. Yeah. Brent Flair, the assistant GM with the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, he was a sales accountant with the Florida Panthers in like the mid nineties where Brian Murray just started hearing this guy with great ideas. And then next yeah. thing you know, Chuck Fletcher and Brian Murray interview him and they make him, they put him right in hockey ops. It's crazy. Hockey ops. Yeah. So, so there's, there's great stories. And, and like I said, it gets, you don't want to get too philosophical here, but it's a great example for younger people that yeah. you know, everybody wants to go from getting your college degree and then become the president or CEO of a company. No, there's a, Sorry, but God's got a different path for you, and and just make sure you're open minded to that path, and uh, and kind of kind of follow it, and put your head down, work away. Yeah. Well, clearly something's working because your 10 year anniversary is coming up for uh, the Dallas Stars, and you're sitting in first place in the Western <laughs> Conference. So I wouldn't argue against anything you just said, Jim. Thanks so much for coming on. Congrats so far on a great season, and ho- hopefully we'll talk to you a little later on during the playoffs when uh, when you got your team on a run and not traveling back and forth all over the place sounds good well thank you guys thanks for having me on yeah you, you guys thanks jim yep. see, you, see you friday nice. jim yeah we'll see you friday that's right take care bye-bye jim nil the general manager of the dallas stars rapid fires next and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsns varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply don't just ride the index seek to outperform it with fidelity active etfs learn more at fidelity.com slash active etfs before investing in any exchange traded fund you should consider its investment objectives risks charges and expenses contact fidelity for a prospectus and offering circular or if available a summary prospectus containing this information read it carefully while active etfs offer the potential to outperform an index these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive etfs fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sip all right boys my favorite time of the show and yours rapid fire and yeah we'll start with jesse on this one because it's a goalie story and we gotta talk about goalies 27 times uh a show Phoenix Copley. And, and because uh, I don't know the definition of rapid fire. So. Yeah, you absolutely do not. Phoenix Copley uh, has, believe it or not, has more wins than any goaltender since making his debut uh, on December the 6th. Well, he's getting paid for it now. The Kings signed him to an extension. One year, $1.5 million after, well, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick really struggled. He took his opportunity and ran with it. Yeah, and I, I like that they... From the Kings' perspective, it's a short-term deal because um, we know how this works out when a goalie comes in right off the bat, has a lot of success. We know that sometimes it's not the the, the most long-lasting, the most consistent success. I'm just so impressed with the Kings, how they draft and develop goalies. It seems like, like 
their program in terms of the, the, their uh, drafting of goalies, their their analyzing of scouts and and prospects, and the way they develop them once they get them in the system is as good, if not better, than anyone in the league. Because it seems like they just churn them out. Um, goalie after goalie after goalie. And obviously Jonathan Quick's been there a long time, but how many guys have been Jonathan Quick's backup and gotten moved to another team and are a starter there? Um, it's it's so impressive. So um, I like I like it for, for Copley getting paid, but I also like it for the Kings uh, just doing the one-year deal because you know there's a goalie right behind him that they're going to churn out as a starter too. Do you think, uh, Jesse, though, they acquire a goalie at the deadline? Because I, I just it just feels like they're going for it, right? They make the move for Fiala. It sounds like they really want to get in on Chikrin. And are you are you trusting Phoenix Copley to win you a cup? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, like how many goalies out there? Like, I think there are some goalies available, but are there goalies that are, this is a Stanley Cup winning goalie that, that mm-hmm. you can trade for? Um, I think... If there is a goalie on the block, there's a reason for him being on the block. So um, I do like Vamelka is a great one. Cheap doesn't his contract is super reasonable for the next few years. I think he's a good goalie. But are you saying Vamelka is the guy that's going to put the team on his back and carry him to a Stanley Cup? I don't know. So um, I don't know if there's a goalie out there that's like the surefire. This is the guy to to, to go get. You think uh, you think Pat Verbeek would. uh play ball and here here's john gibson uh let's to the to the team 25 minutes north i mean that's the guy right if like if there is a goalie out there like gibson he hasn't looked great these these last couple years and i do think watching him with the eye test he's he's built some bad habits playing behind a just embarrassment of a defense um i think sometimes when you when you face 50 shots a night you're gonna build bad habits and i do think he hasn't been as good but Maybe a change of scenery. You can get the old John Gibson. The old John Gibson can for sure lead you to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, go- goalie goals saved above expected. He's like last in the league the last couple of years. Yeah, by the way. yeah his play, like his play has not yeah. been good. It's not just the team in front of him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what do you think of my ra- uh, rapid fire, Rob? <laughs> I'm just I just <laughs> muted my mic. You want a host? Go right ahead. <laughs> You're not getting paid anymore, I don't think, right? So I, I forgot. I forgot. This is not supposed to be a conversation debate. So. Right. There we go. Uh, what are we in now? February fifteenth. Russo still has not grasped this segment of the show, but hey, we laugh and we love it. Uh, speaking of possible change of scenery, as you mentioned, Jesse Thatcher Demko set to return. Austin Matthews as well, but uh, I wanted to throw this Demko thing out there because. There were a lot of rumors he wanted out of Vancouver. Who can blame him? Uh, this week, he denied that he had asked to be moved. Uh, is Thatcher Demko sticking around in Vancouver? And Jesse, we'll start with you again, because the other guy doesn't know about rapid fire, and it's a goalie topic. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably does stick there. Um, I think it would probably cost a lot to get him out, and, and I just don't see any team having the money or the resources to get him out. Um, I think he's another guy, though, if, if you're looking for a goalie that can, if at their peak, can they lead you to a cup? I think Thatcher Demko is good enough. So um, I guess I guess there is another option out there. Mike, what do you think? Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think everybody wants out of Vancouver. Last time I said that, it went. <laughs> so why add Demko to the list? No, I don't. Actually, uh, why would you oh, want to? He, so he was so close. He was so close. He was so close. I just want to, I just want to know, like, I just want to live in one of those incredible, like, high rises right over the harbor. Like, you wake up every morning, you're just in a great mood, no matter what's going on at the hockey rink. 
Why would you want out of Vancouver? Go back and listen to a few of our podcasts, and that'll give you the answer why you might want out of Vancouver. Uh, finally, rapid fire topic number four. How ridiculous are the Boston Bruins? 40th win last night. Matches the fewest games in NHL history to reach that mark. Two things are within their sights, guys. 62 wins, by uh, which would match the Red Wings in 96 and the Lightning in 2019. And 132 points by arguably one of the greatest teams in NHL history in the 1976-77 Montreal Canadiens. Yes, this is the team that many of us claimed. Don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. And here they are flirting with history. Russo. Yeah, and remember, like a week ago, they were in their big slump, right? They they had yeah. only points in like two of five games, and everybody was like freaking out. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just so good. I mean, they, they got the the guy that Jesse and I, uh, you know, fell in love with a couple of weeks ago in uh, Alinus Allmark. But you got, I mean, just up and down their lineup. They were so deep. Great blue line. Um, you know, last night I'm watching their PK. We were shooting the breeze with Jim Nill about it before we went on the air about the five on three and the four on three that the that they were able to kill last night. Their penalty kill is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, they 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 have it all, and and um, and yet I also expect them to make a move at the deadline. They 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 have got to be the team to beat this year. Do they want to have 132 points though? That's like my question <laughs> is like, do you push for that? Because we've seen over and over and over these teams that, that push for that or that it, like, like Colorado Avalanche. We, we obviously think of the lightning team, but the Avalanche, the year they won the president's trophy didn't go so well in the playoffs. The teams that coast that, that, that aren't pushing as hard as they can are the, usually the ones that, that do well in the postseason. So I don't know if they want those records. I mean, obviously they do. If you ask the players, they're going to say they do, but I'm not so sure they do. Or I'm not so sure they should. Yeah. I don't even know I, if they're just, really like, doing anything that's pushing it, though. Like, I just, I, I've yeah. watched a lot of Boston this year. They're just good. They're just good. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, I look at the teams that they could beat, play maybe in the playoffs, right? Pittsburgh, Washington, Florida, Buffalo are going for it. Maybe the Islanders are in there. Like, I, I mean, I just have trouble even envisioning them, say, at least in the first round, getting upset. You say that now. Um, Ilya look, Sorokin stops 49 of 50 on the first yeah. game one, and they lose, and it's like, oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tighten up. Yeah, you know, you're right there. I mean, look, they are, um, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It always just seems like the President's Trophy winner just, you know, has that meltdown at some point, but... I don't know. This team is just uh, unless Allmark or there's an injury, they're really good. Unless, uh, yeah, they're really good. I think the only thing that could really hurt them is the fact that their path to the Stanley Cup Final is going to be a lot, lot more yeah. difficult than than the West. Yes. That's it. By the yep. time, yes. even if they come out of the East, they're going to be a lot more, you know, uh, a lot more beaten up than whatever team comes out of the West because it's just a much much better conference for sure. Year. All right, boys, what are we working on this week, Russo? Um, working on a story on, uh, a bu- actually a bunch of stories, uh, Jesse and I are working on a couple goalie stories. Uh, he's talked so much about goaltending on the show, Rob. I'm like, I got to align myself with that and write <laughs> some good goalie stories. Um, I'm doing really one story, um, with Joe Smith, my colleague here in Minnesota about, um, uh, I almost gave one away, but uh, about p- playing the role of banker and how teams position themselves as the third party. I talked to a GM the other day. We, t- uh, you know, had Jim Nell talk about the same topic today. Uh, so working on that story, um, I 
and have in the works, hopefully, a really cool trade deadline story nationally that everybody is going to read. Um, and then working on that still story that's about the uh, embedding myself in the situation room that'll run right before the GM's meetings um, as well. So a lot of really cool stories. Uh, also talking to a bunch of referees right now. We're doing a, 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 a cross uh, vertical project here at The Athletic where we're talking to uh, football, baseball, basketball, and hockey refs, former refs, about what it's like to to officiate the last couple minutes of a big game, obviously stemming off that holding penalty at the end of the Super Bowl. And uh, that is a really neat story. I've talked to a couple of refs already, and it's been really fascinating, the stories. Nice. Yeah, I've got I've got lots of trade deadline stuff. Um, obviously, the Golden Knights, they, they love to be active during this time. So lots of that. And also a fun story on uh, a scoring game, a game that these players play in practice uh, that Jonathan Marshall so started where they're like betting who will score more goals in each practice and that the players have a lot of fun with it. So I'm doing a fun story on kind of a behind the scenes, uh, the, the types of shenanigans players are, are, are getting into during practices. See, see what Jesse just said is what we were talking about last week, Rob, like with the all-star game, like, you know, if, if you turn the skills competition into a bunch of different betting games, these guys will go all out. And, uh, I mean, we see it all the time, right? They, it happens on the golf course, happens on the plane when they're playing cards and the, the horse racing game. That's the new big thing on airplanes. Um, you know, the, you can buy it on Amazon for 40 bucks. It's an, it's a whole, just a really fun game. Um, like, like to me, what, what Jesse's writing about is the way to make the all-star game and really spice it up. It's what happens in real life too. That's me, my yep. friends. If you know, there's the old saying: if it's worth arguing about or worth doing, it's worth gambling on too. So yeah, I guess <laughs> that's the Russo just fixed the All Star game. And by the way, there was a holding penalty at the end of the Super Bowl. I didn't hear about it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear about that at all. Thanks, boys. Another great show. Want to let everybody know else know uh, some other things you should listen to. Elliot Friedman, very busy guy at this time of year. He's going to be uh, joining uh, Jonas and Myrtle on the Leaf Report. Uh, this week, and you got Don Waddell stopped, who stopped by the Athletic uh, Show USA with Craig and Sean. Be sure to go listen to that now that you're done listening to us. Also, want to let you know, go get an annual subscription to the Athletic. It's just two bucks a month for a year when you visit theathletic.com/slash/hockey-show, and you can subscribe to the Athletic's YouTube channel. So you don't have to just listen to us, guys. You can actually see us. Uh, ramble on and on and on during rapid fire segments. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash the athletic hockey show, the athletic hockey show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. Big thanks to Jim nail for coming on for Russo for Jesse. I'm Pizzo. We'll see you next week.